0: All right, can you all hear me? What is it's my first time being on Zoom while there's people also in person at church. Um, it's good to be with you all this way this morning. I'm grateful we still have this accommodation. Etta seems to be doing fine, um, but you know, being, living in the same house, we were very exposed to her and um, grateful to take advantage of this way of being with you today. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, may the words of my heart and the meditations of our all of our hearts be uh, faithful and honoring of you, our holy God, amen. Uh, so this story begins today with a king named Ahaz. And King Ahaz is sure of several things. Um, he he is sure that he is in a lot of trouble. He is sure that the military assault about to devastate his kingdom um, will impact everyone he knows and loves. And he is quite sure he doesn't want a sign from God. (laughs) Um, So Ahaz is facing this dire situation. There are two nations, um, Syria and Ephraim, and they have broken away from the vassal state of the Assyrian empire. Now they're attempting to pressure Judah into joining their revolts. Ahaz, the king of Judah, has refused this offer. In response, the kings of these two nations plan to attack Judah and replace Ahaz with maybe someone more amenable to this plot that they have. And so they are waging this campaign of gut-wrenching fear. They are proclaiming a disaster of bloodshed upon God's people. And the response from God is to ignore these bullies. God is for Judah for the people of Ahaz. Pekah and Rezin, the two kings of these nations, they are smoke but not fire. It shall not stand, God proclaims, it shall not come to pass. The God who promised life and wholeness from generation to generation to Abraham and Sarah and Leah and Jacob, this God will protect Judah. And then we learn God kept talking to Ahaz. Ask for a sign, God tells him. There are a lot of signs in the Old Testament. Um, Some are good and some are bad, but they all mark a time and a space that is getting caught up in God's work. A multicolored bow in the sky, swarming locusts, and a river of blood. Keeping Sabbath, a staff that turns into a stake, snake, miraculous bread on the desert ground. God reassures and confirms and comforts and protects with signs. Um, in the King James version of the Bible, these um, so- these signs are called tokens, and I really like that image. Um, It's like a medallion or a coin that you could carry around in your hand, you know, rub between your fingers. A tangible representation of a fact. Something you can hold on to that says, we are not alone. And there is more than what we see. There is more life somewhere. And God offers this token to Ahaz. He holds it out to him. And Ahaz says, I would prefer not to have that. (laughs) And he gives this nauseatingly pious excuse of not wanting to put God to the test. and God rolls God's eyes and in response is super frustrated because God knows something that we don't read in Isaiah. So we go back to Kings, the book of Kings. We'll learn that Ahaz has already sent a letter to the Assyrian regime. And in it, he has pledged his kingdom as a slave to this marauding nation. He's asked this king to protect Judah from those other two nations on their way to dethrone him. And Ahaz pays for this protection with gold from the temple treasury. After the threat subsides, Ahab builds an altar identical to the pagan altar of the Assyrians, inside the Jerusalem temple. All this to say, we can see why Ahaz is not eager for his token. He's already pledged his allegiance. He's paid for military protection with treasure that belongs to God. What's the point of a sign when you have chariots and spears ready to defend you? And that's why God presses on. Ahaz may not take advantage of getting the sign, but he gets one regardless. But that won't be a miraculous rescue like the Exodus or endless provision like manna. This military strategist and diplomat gets something completely ordinary. Here, the young woman is pregnant and she is giving birth to a son and she will call his name, God is with us. For a leader in the midst of intense geopolitical struggles, facing this devastating attack, who already has signed up for pagan military protection, this sign was likely a surprise. There's nothing big or flashy here. This is the most mundane event God could come up with. The woman has a baby. God a God who is with us will show up in a vulnerable mother and child. She is in labor. She is giving birth. She is crying out in the midst of sorrow and tears and blood and there is life, a life that God is God's life setting itself up here in our midst. And so centuries later when Matthew's gospel hears this he takes it up and hears in it the oracle of the birth of Jesus. This is the one, this is the one Isaiah spoke of. God becomes flesh in the womb of Mary. Uh, we've been looking at these Isaiah oracles throughout this Advent season, and we have been invited to press where our imagination is stopped by the parameters of this world and by the rules of this age and deserts have bloomed. A wolf nestled with lambs, lions ate straw, armies make their weapons into plows. All the nations of the world stream towards the mountain of the Lord. But this may be the farthest we must stretch. This may be the sign we least expect and maybe least want. A future and a hope and the most unassuming and vulnerable life that God could come up with. I am also afraid. I am afraid of different smoldering stumps than Ahaz, but no less. I am afraid of nations with nuclear arsenals and technological capabilities to interfere with US elections. And yet when the angel tells Joseph, do not be afraid, I I know that this is the most frequent plea in the Bible we hear it over and over again. It is the first command in Matthew and also the last. Just as the angel tells Joseph, Jesus' father, not to be afraid, Jesus will reassure his disciples at his resurrection that when he comes to them, he'll be united to his friends and he will say, do not be afraid. I would feel better if there was some way to spiritualize this whole business. I would like this promised ordinary baby Emmanuel to rule in my heart, or maybe just get involved in the smaller bits of my life. But instead, this God keeps putting this promise in the midst of massive geopolitical drama where life and death is on the line. What good is a sign? But we are here before the manger, among the pungent smell of animal waste, And we are here in the temple of Jerusalem, around the military council, trying to figure out how to stop the nations of Syria and Ephraim. We are here scrolling through doomsday news and the terror of bombs and guns. these are all the same story. The story told from generation to generation, what good is a sign? Perhaps it is enough today to be unsettled by that sign, to be silenced and stilled. Perhaps it's enough to say that there's no making sense of it. Like Joseph, we find ourselves embarrassed and fumbling before it. Like Ahaz, we are distrustful and wary, but no matter. The sign comes, the maiden with the baby, God with us. I want to end with a poem uh, by Rowan Williams called Advent Calendar. He will come like last leaf's fall. One night when the November wind has flayed the trees to the bone and the earth wakes choking on the mold, the soft shrouds folding. He will come like frost. One morning when the shrinking earth opens to mist to find itself arrested in the net of alien sword set beauty. He will come like dark. One evening with the bursting red December sun draws up the sheet and the penny masks its eye to yield the star snow fields of sky. He will come, will come, will come like crying in the night like blood, like breaking, as the earth rise to toss him free, he will come like a child. Amen.